0: Hello brothers and sisters, this is the Remnant Warrior, and you are now listening to Buy Their Fruits on the Kingdom Productions Network.
1: Buy their fruits, you shall know them. Buy, by, buy, 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 their fruits. Buy their fruits.
2: Buy their fruits. Buy their fruits. Buy their
0: fruits. You shall know them. welcome to buy their fruits we got Gregory Reed on here how you doing Gregory thank you so much for coming you're on well, here thank you thank you yeah you know I first saw I think I've had you on Facebook for a while now but I first saw um, the work that you did on the out of darkness out of the darkness um, convention and man it blew me away it blew me away so I'm so glad that you're here with us and you're able to we thank want you, you to tell your story wherever you want to start and Yes. Tell tell us about your life. Tell us about you know what you do. Uh, wherever you want to start school with me, though, man, this is going to be great.
2: Yes, very much. Uh, we're looking good. forward to. We're happy to have you on. By their fruits, uh, Doctor Reed, and um, uh, yes, start wherever you want to, sir. Very
1: good. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you guys, and um, my beginnings were in Southern California. My dad was a cop. My mom's a house. Keeper, housewife, whatever they politically correct term for that would be now. She ruled the ruse is what she did. <laughs> my dad brought home the checks and she made sure her three boys were in order. But
2: Sounds like my grandparents and their relationship.
1: Yeah, I but it days. was not quite as in order as they thought. I mean, they were products of several generations of just disaster. Um, you know, they were what they called uh, two generations of Jack Mormons yeah. that were raised inside uh, families that had rejected the Mormon faith, not for spiritual reasons, but for others. And so when you do that, you are cut off from the life of the Mormon church. And so everybody had to fend for themselves. My great, great, great grandfather helped to found the town of Nephi, Utah, and traveled with Brigham Young. So we had, there was that lineage there, which had its own pre- repercussions on our family in a practical sense. So my mom and my dad were both in families where they were basically orphaned or raised mm-hmm. by other people. My dad uh, ate out of a, he was kicked out, I think when he was 13 and uh, lived under porches needing out of trash cans uh, until some family took him in when he was about 16. And he managed to join the military, uh, met up with my, that is a long story. That was their story, but there was a long lineage in my family of occultism, and I'm not sure exactly how far it back, but probably many generations. Ours comes from a very strong Scottish, British, Druid type of uh, lineage. And uh, as you probably know from your research, they choose their own pretty carefully when they're trying to take the power to the next generation. Yes. And it usually goes to the male child, not to the female. That's a Wiccan thing, but the male thing is definitely with the real power players. uh, That's the way it runs. And my uncle, uh, he he was born on February fifteenth, nineteen twenty-one, I believe, and I was born on February fifteenth, nineteen fifty-four. And he was a very dark man. He was a very unhappy, dark person. Hated God with a passion. And um, I'm just in kind of extrapolating from when I've been able to research from my own background. Uh, probably they were looking for somebody to come down through his children, but he only had girls. So I think they took a left turn and found me. And uh, so I ended up being the magical child, so to speak, and was really just born into my grandma was somewhat, I wouldn't call her a witch, maybe sort of. In Pasadena, California, she lived there just before and around the time of Jack Parsons. And she was uh, a mean drunk and a horrible, you know, she was just a mean person. Love you, Grandma, but that's the fact. She got saved later, which was awesome. Okay. But uh, she was a necromancer. She was a table tapper, very involved in the occult. All that changed at some point, which was wonderful. But I was born into a bloodline in which... From my earliest remembrance, everything was occultic. I remember having astral projection experiences before I was eight years old. I wasn't trying to do anything. It was just a normal part of my terrifying life as a child. And so somewhere between seven and eight, I think, and around after that is when one of our local groups got a hold of me, and I've had to put those pieces together one piece at a time over a long period of time. Uh, for them to make sense, but to, to give you the put together puzzle version uh, that my uncle, another uncle in my family who's an uncle by marriage, was a very famous comedian. And uh, so he was my uncle's. They married the same woman at some point. So I was born into sort of a Hollywood. We were associated with a lot of Hollywood people. Yeah. And I lived in an area of California called Box Canyon which is to this day one of the darkest places on the face of the earth. There was a lot of Druidism. There was a lot of cults up there. And uh, somehow I got pulled into the web uh, through a church I went to and uh, was a victim of, uh, you know, being used for uh, child pornography and uh, began to be initiated into ritual uh, situations where I was taken and drugged and You know, I came out fragmented and just remembering horrible things that made no sense in my daily life. And uh, so I had to compartmentalize all of that and just try to keep the nightmares out of my waking life. But after those ritual things happened, which I, you know, was somewhere when I was around, I guess I'm going to say probably nine or ten. One of my friends who was part of the group, he's actually the one that kind of pulled me into the family, the the whole group, druid, whatever it was, because it was a mixture of druidism Satanism. They had some Native American uh, magic stuff. They had some voodoo. It was a mixed group, which was very common back then, which was very common with occult groups in general. You use whatever tool is going to work. Um, and at some point, uh, my friend Mark was murdered in a ritual setting. And so after that, I was so fragmented that I came home to my parents a completely transformed child. They didn't even know who I was anymore. They, I was angry. I was. I started smoking and drinking. But I started to practice the occult almost immediately. And everything worked for me. Ouija boards worked for me. Seances worked for me. Uh, all of that. And uh, I plunged into the occult and every other kind of thing you can imagine. And I promised myself I would never do black magic, but ended actually doing a curse on somebody when I was 14. And they died that night in a horrible fashion the fashion that I actually spoke forth that I wish they would be killed in. Uh, that's the short version. Uh, when I was 15, Jesus just redeemed me from all of that. And uh, I spent a lot of years, I went into ministry. I spent a lot of years healing from everything that I'd gone through. A lot of it uh, came out later in my late 20s. And I took it took a long time for me to figure out, because I was one of those survivors that's like, I thought I was the only person that ever went through anything like there was no reference point for what I went through. Yeah. There was no book on this. I didn't get this from Michelle Remembers. I didn't get this from some, you know, magical show I saw with Bob Larson or whatever. There was nothing like this. And I just I finally, you know, got to the point where I was able to figure it all out, put it together, started to pursue the actual facts behind it, including talking to my parents and getting some pretty credible information out of that. What I didn't expect is at the same time I had moved to El Paso, Texas and met a group that was starting to do presentations on the occult. Yeah. But this was in 1987 where it was before the deluge of ritual crimes happened. This We were just on the cusp of it. So we were going to churches. It's funny almost now, but we were doing the best we could. You know, we're going to churches and talking to them about, you know, satanic rock music. And we're talking about the Smurfs and Crocker and Gamble, you know, the between just whatever, what symbols were bad, what cartoons you need to watch out. We had no idea Mm -hmm. until all of a sudden kids were involved in high level satanic crimes. And then that pulled us and we started to get calls from law enforcement. Then we got started to get calls from uh, army medical people that say, we've got somebody in the military that's uh, abusing uh, young girls and they're involved in Satanism. We don't even know what that is. That began something where as unprepared I know as I was for it, I was called on uh, within six months of us getting started to actually do presentations for uh, adult probation department in Texas statewide. And I went down and met another guy that was in the probation department. He was running across the same thing. Then I got a call from uh, a guy that was a homicide detective in Oklahoma that said, there's a problem, and I know there is. Uh, we're doing a homicide convention. Uh, most of my guys aren't believers, but if you want to try and make believers out of us, come on up and talk to us. And that ended up being nearly 20 years, uh, actually ongoing. Um, career, if you want to call it that, more of a mission and a calling Yeah, that ended up. I didn't ask for any of this. I wasn't looking for a job or anything. I was already doing ministry. I loved youth ministry. I was a youth pastor, but next thing you know, I'm doing training for law enforcement all across the country. And the more we did them, the more facts we were able to compile. And uh, then we started to get asked to consult on some of the most horrific cases of Satanism, uh, ritual murder, ritual crime which dovetailed into, we called the child trading, back then, child abuse, mm-hmm. child trading. Now they call it human trafficking. But once we bumped up against that, we would start here with the occult stuff and end up with lawyers and judges and power players and cops and getting threatened and people's lives being at, at stake. And uh, you know that took us on a pretty wild ride for about 30 years, having to mm-hmm. walk through all that. So that's the short version.
2: Uh, um, Dr. Reed, one quick question. You said that you uh, became born again when you were 15 years old. Yes. Uh, what happened with that? Did you, did you just, cause you were pretty much steeped into the occult before then. So did, was there someone in your life that started preaching the gospel to you? Did you pick up a Bible? Like what specifically happened there, sir? I'm just curious.
1: I got picked up by when I was hitchhiking. Uh, and the first guy that picked me up told me about Jesus. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. See, cause I was, I went to a church when I was little, yeah. my parents dropped us off there and I heard about Jesus. But by this time I was like, yeah, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, whoever, you know, whatever power's out there, I've got the power. And mm-hmm. so somebody would tell me about Jesus. I'm like, yeah, thanks for telling me. And I just blow it off. And some lady stopped me in the store and gave me a Bible and said, I'm supposed to give you this. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's creepy. Thanks. And then uh, some guy picked me up uh and he said, little Volkswagen, I don't know what it was about Volkswagens. I guess they manufactured them for preachers out of Detroit or something, Germany. Um, And he went into the whole Jesus shtick, as I called it at the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I know all of that. He says, no, you don't understand. He says, I live in Manhattan Beach. That's nearly 40 miles away from here. The Lord woke me up this morning and told me to drive out to this very corner and told me there'd be a boy standing on the block, and I was to pick you up and tell you that Jesus loves you. And my whole world started to fall apart at that moment because everything that had happened to me and everything that I had to do and was done to me, I literally at the age of 14 believed that I was evil. And if there was a God, there was no way he could love me. And mm-hmm. now I'm being told that God loves me. And part of me said, What if? And the other part said, That's not possible. I'm evil. Well, and then comes a scenario where it comes a guy that picks up me and an atheist friend of mine, and he's in an LPD, you know, those big old clunker cars mm-hmm. are like, great. It's not a preacher because all the preachers drive Volkswagen. This guy was worse. This guy was a charismatic Christian that went to Bible studies eight nights a week. And, you know, he was all excited, and I'm in the back seat just going, oh, I want out of here. And uh, my friend was an atheist, so I figured he's not going to want to go. And this guy dropped us off, gave him a card. We was go- we were going to my friend's girlfriend's house. She wasn't home. And my friend looked at me and said, hey, let's go to this thing, deal. It might be fun. I thought, okay, you've clearly <laughs> lost your mind, but we'll go. And we went. And it was a house full of Christians, young, old. They were doing worship songs that I'd never heard before. There was a power and a love in that place that I was 100% unfamiliar with. Yeah. But we were trapped once we got in the door. And my friend ended up receiving Jesus that night. And that totally blew me away. And on the way home, all I could think was, I'm happy for him because he had such a miserable life. His mother was a nightmare. Alcoholic used to beat him all the time. He didn't ever have anything. So I was glad for him. But the other part of me was sad because I felt like he'd crossed the river and I couldn't go with him. And um, so... He made me swear to him that we would go back, and I did, but he wasn't able because his mom beat him up when he got home, said, you're never going back to that Jesus freak meeting again. But this guy had given us a couple of books. One was A Good News for Modern Men Bible, and the other one was Across the Switchblade by David Wilkerson. And I kept them, along with my occult books, on a shelf somewhere. But I knew that I was on the way out. I didn't want to live anymore. I was drinking all the time. I was taking it to school in Coke cans. I had to blot out the pain. I was in just 100% pain all the time and nothing. I was looking in the mirror and whatever was looking back at me wasn't me. And I knew it. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up uh, taking the book on a trip and reading it. And I read how David Wilkerson faced down Nicky Cruz, the most hardened gang leader in New York. And Nicky Cruz, he told Jesus loves him. Nicky Cruz thumped him beat him up yeah said what do you think about that preacher and david said nicky you can cut me up in a thousand pieces and every piece is going to scream jesus loves you at that point i took the book and i threw it against the wall and i yelled and i said how come no one ever told me that god had this kind of power or that there was a god who could love the worst person short story is i went home as god is my witness i went home that night and i prayed I said, I don't know if it's Buddha, Mohammed, you know, the cookie monster, you know, Baha'u'llah. I don't know if any of that's real, but if there's anybody out there, please help me because I don't want to live anymore. I can't live anymore like this. And as God is my witness in the next period of time, I was taken out of that bed into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself and held in the arms of the man they call Jesus Christ who died on a cross. And then I was back in my bed and I was so absolutely, it was totally out of any experience I had, Yeah. but I knew that it was real. And, and for the next couple of months, all I could do is say, Jesus, I know you're real, but I don't know what to do with this. I don't even know how to pray. I can't say thee and thou or anything. So I'm just going to talk to you like a friend. Three months later, I was back at that house through another kind of miraculous thing and I surrendered my life to Jesus that night. It was July 29th, 1969, the night the astronauts walked on the moon, and I never turned back. And then all hell broke loose after that. But yeah. that's another story.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Manhattan Beach. That's where the McMartin Preschool trial uh would later uh take place in the mid to late yeah. 1980s. Uh yeah. so again, you know, that was what as soon as you mentioned Manhattan Beach, that's immediately what I thought of. Um, you know and 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 it is very common you know that is one of the methods what uh you know Satan does uh, is is to try to separate people uh you know from God you know because God is a loving father, a just judge, a righteous king uh you know and so you know Satan wants uh to make people's heart hardened, against God and also make people reject God uh, through the trials and tribulations that they go through their lives or even make people, you know, not even know, you know, truly that God is love, uh, you know, in in the hope that, you know, that you could be separated in the hopes, you know, sadly and tragically, God wishes for none to perish, uh, you know, but, you know, to keep people, you know, ultimately away uh, from, you know, you know, becoming born again, you know, you know, for serving God, for loving God and Jesus. And, you know, and so that, you know, Satan, you know, I believe knows, you know, that, that, you know, his, his days are eventually numbered. Right. But, you know, you know, he's as a, you know, walking around the, you know, the earth as a wolf seeking to devour, you know, that's one of the methods that he tries to do is, 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 is try to convince people that God does not love them and God doesn't want anything to do with them, you know. Especially people who have had very hard and tra- you know traumatic lives, such as yourself, you know, that's one of His primary methods is, is to you know sow that doubt and make it grow into sometimes even a tree of doubt and resentment towards God. When God, you know, it's it's not, you know, it's not God's quote unquote fault that these things happen to people, you know, we, we have, you know, free will, uh, you know, and there's also, um, you know, the sins that we can do with, you know, we do bad all by ourselves, you know, and God takes, you know, this evil that we do and this evil that Satan does and ultimately uses it for his will. Uh, and so, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I could tell, you know, through your testimony, um, you know, that, that, you know, you as you're appreciative as we're all appreciative, of those listening who are born again, who have come to the truth, God, the father, Jesus Christ, you know, that we are say that we are given the spirit of adoption because we become God's children, we're all made in God's image, but only those who are born again are truly, you know, as adopted children. Amen.
0: Amen. I wanted to just say that your testimony itself and, and, you know, that, that, that night you experienced going into the arms of Jesus. Uh, for me personally, I find a lot of those stories hard to believe, but I I, I, yeah and and but to hear you and and your sincerity and knowing that you were already from a young age involved with so much stuff you know like satanism and and the occult and seeing this demonic power work it was like god was showing you something much greater than he shows most of us to let you truly know that he loves you that he is who he says Mm -hmm. he is to convince you you know like not everybody needs an experience like that to be convinced but man i bet you we'd all want it
2: <laughs> but it, it does happen though you know i you know i it does yeah i i agree with you jeremy that you know sometimes it, it depends you know like if someone gives a testimony like you did dr reed and obviously you know by their fruits you know we could tell that you were born again christian right so your story's you know definitely you know real and legitimate but there are some people who tell of, you know quote unquote fantastical stories i'm not saying yours is okay um that are kind of like these new age new apostolic reformation right you know, i
1: got that, to heaven i flew on a butterfly yeah. Yeah,
2: but there are stories of people. You know, I I I I met a person myself who um who became born again, who was a devout Satanist, that was at a Satanist New Age retreat that was in the middle of transcendental meditation, and then all of a sudden Jesus came to him and you know and biblically you know I mean this this can't happen and Jesus was like you will stop worrying against me, you know I am the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you know I am real. This stops right now you know and then all of a sudden he came out of it shaken up he was like oh you know what, what what was that you know and then he was not able to meditate again afterwards he had he found some guy in like a shirt you know like one of those tents you know uh is, you know oh, yeah. and, and and was finally found somebody he could talk to that worked there that wasn't there for the retreat you know and they were like well just go pick up a bible when you get home and just read it and he did and it took him a few months and he wrestled with it but eventually he became born again you know so there are people who have legitimate um, visions and experiences that god grants them as his grace for them to become born again i do believe that now i do believe that there are few and far between but i do believe there happen there are stories of muslims who have had you know dreams and visions of our lord and savior jesus christ by the millions led, apparently which led yeah. them to become born again you know, so it does yeah. happen, and it's sad that Satan will take stories of these false prophetess and prophets that we see in the New Apostolic Reformation, and will use them to tell these, you know, kind of like these stories to make, you know, the true, the the true, you know, conversion, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, testimonies such as yourself, Doctor Reed, and kind of cast doubt on anybody having any of the supernatural aspects of 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 God's mercy and God's grace. Uh, that does happen, you know, and I do think that a lot of these stories, you know, Satan has done that just to cast doubt on people's testimonies that are real.
1: Oh, and we've learned a lot over the years. I'm probably more, I wouldn't call it skeptical Mm -hmm. as much as discerning um, or doing my best. I wrote a book called Trojan Church in 2004 that was calling out everybody from rick warren to to rob bell and uh you know i call it my my book i I was going to rename it how to commit ministry suicide in one book because Mm -hmm. i've lost most of my friends at that point but the one thing that god has instilled in me and i told him this from the very beginning uh when i started to walk with him i said truth 100 percent true nothing but the truth no matter what I walk through, I want to be a person that speaks truth. Yeah. And I always thought of, because this was at a time when I started to actually share my testimony, there wasn't anything. I've shared my testimony on a lot of different levels, but I realized that later it's like they went after everybody who talked about this at all. And I'm like, are you joking me? And yeah. and they, first. You know, we got some of these wannabes that would call and, you know, pretend they wanted to do an interview and they would actually um, kind of ambush me. And I had to learn early on. I mean, we talked about somebody earlier. I can't remember what their name was. It's probably just as well, who played nice, a reporter, actually a reporter whose name was mentioned that did one of the she was reporting on a ritual abuse case. That yeah, I right. knew the parents and I knew the kids on this case. And she was there to debunk it. And she wrote the, all these horrible articles on, you know, the fraud of Satanism. And she still did that. She's a very pedophile, friendly writer. And uh, I met her face to face. And I'm like, you know what? I know what you're up to. Uh, and she exposed my cover. I was on Geraldo with uh, Ted Gunderson. And I was on in disguise because my parents were still alive and I yeah. knew who I was dealing with. And I did not want par- my parents' lives to be at stake. And she blew my cover. And I thought, okay, this is, a, this is the way they wanna play it. So part of me, what I had to do, because I share my testimony for the sheer reason of, and I don't mean to be cynical, but I've been around in ministry since 1975. And I've seen all the circuses, and I've seen all the shows, and I've seen all the people that are out there to to promote themselves, make a name for themselves, write a sensational book, make a lot of money, and then take the circus to another town. I don't mean to be cynical, but that's the fact. And I thought there's a lot of real stories, like you say, that are getting buried behind that, that nobody's listening because people are pointing to these people that were really often saying, see, this is fraudulent, whatever. So for myself, I had to come to a point since I realized I'm a public figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Through the Black, Tom Dunn. Uh, and, and I did one of their shows, Tom and Jared's shows, four years ago. And this is after I've already fought all the battles. You know, I never thought I was going to go back into this field. Uh, and then God started to raise up Tom and, you know, Russ Dizdar was out of yeah, the field. So. I started to realize I was going to have to go back into the fight, which I didn't want to do. It's like, I've already done that. I'm tired. I want to write, you know, puppies and pancakes book some point, you know. Um, But when we did the video, it was on my testimony. It was on the winter solstice. And within a day, one of these little wannabe guys had put up three half an hour videos on Greg Reed, the fraud. And you're like, are you joking? I haven't even gotten back into the fight yet. And they're already prepared to pounce on everything. So I had to kind of come from the, I had to develop a, I guess, a Ricky Gervais attitude towards all this. People say stuff I've say, you know what? I don't care. I'm yeah. not talking for you. I'm not, I don't, I'm not looking to prove anything. And like Paul, I have to say, as God is my witness, this is what happened, whether in the body or at, I, this is, I'm giving my testimony Believe it, don't believe it, it doesn't matter because I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for the people who are victims. I'm telling my story for the ones that don't think there's any hope. And that's really how I've had to approach the monstrous satanic panic war that was waged against us once we got in the middle of it.
2: Which is still going on to this day, and I'm not going to name yeah. the so-called reporter, but supposedly she's been writing an article about yours truly uh, for a, for a, a quite a few months. Um, a research into the fighter's case, it still hasn't come into fruition, and I'm still waiting for that to drop. Oh, boy. The day that drops. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, as they say, uh, no uh, uh, controversy creates cash. Uh, no news. You know, bad. You know, no. I guess you say, uh, bad news isn't necessarily bad news. Sometimes it's good news. So, you right. know, if if she if she you know writes, uh, you know, negatively about me and slanders me about my work on the Finder's case, then it's going to be quite interesting because it means I'm very much quote unquote hopefully over the target. Uh, of trying to to find out the information, but the piece still hasn't come to fruition yet. So I guess we'll see, Um, you know, but there are a lot of people out there um, who um, try to slander anybody who talks about satanic ritual abuse um, that, you know, that doesn't exist. It tries to be marginalized. Um, There is a, a, you know, a nexus of people out there, whether they work for the government, whether they, um, uh, or just, you know, they don't believe it, they don't believe in the supernatural, they think Satan is not real, Uh, um, you know, or that, you know, some of them are working in the behests of Satan, uh, whether they realize it or not. I guess ultimately that they are. Um, You know, they, uh, you know, push out there um, that satanic ritual abuse is not a thing, it does not exist, Um, where all, there's tons of evidence that points to the contrary, that it does. Uh, and the same battle that you've been waging for decades is the same battle that people like I are still waging today, and I don't think it's ever going to go away.
0: Well, well like what a paradox, though, too, right, because people don't want to believe this stuff goes on. But it, when you look at the polls, like, honestly, it they, they show that. You know, witches, Wiccans and Satanism is they're the fastest growing, the occult, I guess, to, to put on our umbrella is the fastest growing religion in the United States. So what a paradox it is to say that it's not going on. Well, and that's it's it's so much of it is a mind game that they play. Yeah.
1: Um. You know, for years, you know, I know the, the Church of Satan has said we don't do human sacrifice. We don't believe in human sacrifice. We've never done something like that. Well, and now they're coming out and lobbying for the right to do abortions as a religious right. ritual. Oh, thank you for finally admitting what pathological liars you are, because yeah. you do do human sacrifices, don't you? You yeah, see, exactly. Yeah. And and exactly. and sometimes you you know you, you have to call these things out with people. I mean, and part of it for us was we were so busy working twenty four seven to rescue children. To go to funerals of kids that had uh, been murdered by satanic groups, uh, looking for missing kids, uh, looking into cases of kids who committed suicide because of their involvement in the occult. We were so busy doing that. I think we were kind of, we knew there would be attacks, but we didn't expect to be blindsided by, well, it was a three-prong attack. It was law enforcement. You know, starting with Ken Lanning from the FBI, who said it mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Therefore, everybody started to parrot him. Yep. And then it was the psychological community and the well-known uh, False Memory Syndrome Foundation, which was yep. a great tool to uh, uh, of the enemy to dismiss many cases uh, and have these people come in and testify in court and uh, have kids be disbelieved. And then from the Christian community. When they came out with several articles that destroyed a couple of my friends and they just came up with all this and the volume of stuff and the volume period let's call it just the volume the decibel volume of their screaming out this is non-existent don't listen to these people it's all fraudulent we've got a hundred sources here that can prove that it doesn't happen when we got attacked in that way i didn't understand what happened really totally until after the fact, because I real I thought, well, how did they go from us being able to get help and get we had over 250 people we were working with, professionals, law enforcement, FBI, pastors, safe house, all of that? We went from there to being down to about five people almost overnight. And I thought, how did they get the power to change the narrative like that so that now if you type in SRA or ritual abuse? You're going to get 100 duplicate websites under different names about how it's all fraudulent. So your average researcher is going to look and say, well, obviously, it's not true because I looked at this and then they referred me. I looked at the next website and then said the same thing without realizing, as I've learned just recently, you guys probably know that there are companies that you can pay. And they will create 100 websites based on that website that are going to tell the same narrative under another name. They usually use it in politics. You know, they'll create a bad uh, narrative for a politician, and then they'll create a bunch of pseudo websites that aren't really real websites, but they're just manufactured that are going to duplicate the information, and that puts the algorithm in such a place where Anybody looking for the truth is going to have to go through a thousand websites to get anything that's contrary to their narrative. That's what we had to fight against. But the the battle for us was, do we fight them or do we just keep working? And we had to keep working. So there wasn't a lot of time to defend ourselves or defend our friends. And uh, it was just horrible the way things turned out for a lot of them. It was very, very painful. But the work went on. And uh, it continues to go on.
2: There's a supposed supposed quote. Hold on, Jeremy. Let us say one last uh, thing about this. There's a supposed quote from Alan Dershowitz, a quick, 1994. What are the benefits of joining the False Memory Syndrome Foundation? People who care deeply about victims of sexual misconduct should be appalled by those who falsely cry wolf. In the end, everyone benefits from a policy which deters false accusation and encourages true accusations. Alan Morton Dershowitz, 1994. Interesting. So that's all I got to say about that. Go ahead, Jeremy.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention uh when I was watching the Out of Darkness uh, conference you mentioned how you ended up getting quite a few people behind you for a while there like it was like 125 I don't remember the exactly what it was. Yeah.
1: 250
0: yeah and then it would drop down to about 5.
1: Yeah, that was so uh, What happened there? Uh there was a plethora of things there was people were removed from their jobs when they were working on crucial cases involving ritual abuse. There was one case in, in, in Oklahoma involving ritual abuse within a, uh, uh, a, a non-Christian church cult type of group. They actually flew in a state senator to Oklahoma to close down the case. Uh, officers were threatened to keep their mouths shut. There was a lot of police officers, that I are not a lot, but there was a handful that said, we can't do this anymore. We're ending up getting our families threatened. Uh, Their lives were threatened. Uh, They couldn't stand up against the spiritual pressure. Their marriages were in shambles. There was sheer demonic stuff that happened that your normal secular cop didn't know how to deal with. Uh, They were attacked from every angle. And uh, it wasn't just one angle. It was all angles at the same time. And uh, for one, you know, we had a great associate. uh, we, We loved her to death. She had a safe house in San Antonio. She worked with victims, and um, her one son died of cancer, and her other son was permanently uh, crippled in a car wreck, and then she died about six months later, Uh, so we lost a lot of people that way. My mentor in the work, she died of cancer a few years ago, but there was a sense that there was working going on in the background, spiritual working, to just make sure we shut our mouths and that we were not going to be listened to, so yeah, it came from a lot of different angles.
2: And it's still going on today. Um, And though it appears because of the quote unquote great awakening narrative that it does seem in some aspects, it is easier to talk about these things in public. Uh, But as soon as you start implicating people that are, uh, On the right wing of the world order conservatives, for example, when you start talking about the vast connections of uh, Donald Trump to Jeffrey Epstein, for example, or RFK Jr. to Jeffrey Epstein, for example, uh, people get very upset because now it's only being framed on one side that the elite pedophiles of the world are are progressives that they are part of the you know council formulations left side of of, of, the, of the you know left wing or left side of the world order uh which is simply not true uh it is it is definitely um uh, there's very much an elite aspect on uh, uh on both the right and the left it's, the world order is like one bird right then you know the white ring and the left wing um and though i myself am a christian conservative as far as my you know political leanings and beliefs are concerned but um, they've kind of framed it now where, you know, many years ago, we talked about the Franklin scandal, for example. I mean, the Franklin scandal primarily dealt with people, for National Policy members, people that are on the right. You know, you had Lawrence C. E. King, you had Ronald Reagan, you had George Bush, uh, you had uh, Craig Spence, uh, who was a Republican lobbyist, you know. And so, you know, no, no one really had an issue with you discussing that. But now... They're trying to frame everything as just being uh, a progressive issue when it comes to elite pedophilia, uh, which is simply not true. And that's kind of how it is nowadays where, yeah, you could tell Epstein and Bill Clinton, and trust me, there are numerous connections between Epstein and the Clintons and the formation of the Clinton Foundation. I'm not disputing that. Or Bill Gates and Epstein, okay? Like, I'm not disputing that at all. But the moment you bring up the right side, Quote, quote, right side, the conservative side. That's when he gets slandered. That's when people get mad. That's when the cognitive dissonance sets in. That's where we're in now because it's been politicized. And I think beforehand, you couldn't talk about it at all. Now they've gotten people so politically divided against each other that now when you try to say they're all in on it, that's when the barbs really start coming out. That seems to be, I would assume, more of a modern thing of trying to expose this compared to how it was decades ago, Dr. Reed, or am I mistaken about that?
1: Yeah, well, that was the whole thing because we got kind of, I got pulled into the Franklin case because of another couple of cases I worked on. and Some of the information that Paul Benassi was coming out with was dovetailing with locations and people down in our neck of the woods. And so I made the drive to Nebraska and spoke with um, Senator DeCamp, former Senator DeCamp, and his uh, private detective and was able to garner enough information to try to work things from our aspect, not for them, but it became a wake up call. as I actually started to see how extensive this was. And I knew, you know, I mean, Franklin dealt with, you know, uh, uh, Larry King, you know, singing at the 1984 and 1988 Republican national conventions. And when I usually, when I did that, this part of the program for, therapists and stuff, most of who are very liberal and stuff, they were like, yeah, now we know. And it's like, look, it's on both sides. It is two sides of the same point, because people are compromised when they get in government, when it gets to that level. And if they have a file on you, you'll do what they tell you to do. And so we were not surprised by conservative judges who were involved down in our area, as well as just complete you know, liberal, whatever. Um, And so, and I had to, you know, with the modern things that have happened, particularly with COVID and the election, I did lose some friends because I'm neither pro nor, I'm not either one. I'm neither pro nor anti-Trump. I'm like, let's wait and see. There's a lot of things can be said on both sides. I don't trust, you know, I'm from, I'm from the Fox Mulder school of theology. Trust no one. it's just like let's see how this plays out and so when all a lot of my friends that are in the prophetic movement started to say you know we got a prophecy you know trump's gonna win a second election i say okay boys let's slow down here okay you realize when you're saying that you have made a prophecy proclamation Mm -hmm. and if it doesn't come true then you need to go away for a long time until you Mm -hmm. get your heart right with God or never go back in ministry. Mm -hmm. I don't care, but you need to figure out that you've made some proclamation that is extraordinarily dangerous. And of course, and then there was all these, guy had a prophecy about COVID and that the Chinese were going to take over. They'd be seen in this city in in December. And I called him out too. I said, what happens if it doesn't happen? Because he's made a direct Thus says the Lord. Yeah. And you know what? None of that stuff came true and nobody apologized. They just acted like it didn't happen. I said, that's why we need particularly I know in my field. And this is difficult for me, me because we're hitting a different field now. We're hitting a we hit the Me Too movement you know, which turned in ways we never expected that I'm not happy with. But Mm -hmm. you have people that I feel are totally legitimate in some respects, like Corey Feldman. I mean, I'm like, dude, you got up to the plate and you tried to hit it out of the ballpark. Mm -hmm. And for whatever your flaws, you're, you had the guts to stand up and say, this is going on. So when it started to, excuse me, go into the whole Hollywood pedophile then things started to become blurry again because because of the internet everybody became an expert everybody started talking about who the real illuminati was and mm-hmm. you know who the players were and you know queen elizabeth was a, a lizard and you know all this i'm like okay can we just back up the nonsense wagon here for a minute because i don't know everything about everything but i do know that i been around this rodeo before and i know how the game's played and i know most of the stuff that's out there is misinformation disinformation so that we never get to the core truth of what is really behind this and who's really behind this and i think probably one of the most insightful books i read was by malachi martin i'm not a catholic i don't believe in all that stuff but Uh, He wrote a phenomenal book called The Windswept House, which really, talk about a long book, it was nearly 800 pages, was boring as heck in some places, but I got through it enough to understand he printed the truth as fiction, as he said in one of his last interviews, because that's how people would read it, and he died shortly after that last interview, but there was enough information that I, there was a takeaway for me, and one was that the Illuminati, you call it what you want, you will these people don't go by a name. You can mm-hmm. call it Illuminati, that's fine. Luciferians probably closer, but they really don't have a name. Mm-hmm. And as it has been said that they, they, they're the, the 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 what they live by is this expression: the guarantee of our tomorrow is today's uh uh belief that we don't exist. And so we're not gonna know who those players are. If Trump was going to drain the swamp, if that was his real objective, uh, we understood from the get-go he wasn't going to be able to do it because it's all the swamp. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you start to talk about this on another level, I know for us it's been when we deal with like victims or or survivors, I want to believe every word that they say, but they have to be vetted out. And when they start going into stories about coming from long bloodlines, maybe some people have, but there's only a few people that come from those bloodlines. And we have to say, well, let's see if we can get some facts on the ground so we can really help extract people. And I realized we'd gotten to a place of what I call celebrity survivors. Yeah. And I, I don't, I, I'm terribly sorry, because I don't mean to sound cynical, but I'm trying to just say how we've had to, you know, I'm half private investigator, half Youth pastors. There's nothing
2: wrong with being discerning, sir. There's nothing wrong with that, Dr. Reed.
1: Well, part of what I had to do is, for example, there was a, a person who was doing YouTube videos about being a survivor, and I thought, that's great. We need a voice. And then she started talking about all the people that she had been abused by, and I thought, great. We need the voice. And then all of a sudden, it's not just this person, but it's this high-level person, and then she's been abused by this president, mm-hmm. that politician, this other president, Queen of England, of just went on and on. And then she made the mistake mistake of attacking one of my dear friends, Russ Dizdar, and calling and calling him out as being on the other side. And I said, you know what? You just you just showed whatever you're about. You made a huge mistake for me because whatever credibility you have, yeah, is because and why why do I know that because I know the person and I know it's not true and then shortly after that and then it was it her story got more elaborate uh and uh, this is dark humor so forgive me but I was actually going to do a t-shirt at some point that said I was abused by nobody famous and all I got was the stupid t-shirts
2: yeah
1: because you know it's like everybody's they're not just, were involved, but they were important and special and you know, like all of that. Uh but my my experience is most survivors of the occult world were nobody special. We were throwaways. And there's a few of us that they were re- grooming for something more important. But very few people were these, you know, powerful people in government. So what also alarmed me is that this person asked for survivors all over the world to record their personal survivor story and send it to her. And I thought, lady, you've just put an X mark on every survivor that ever has been in contact with you.
2: Have you heard of the international tribunal of national of natural justice? No. Okay. They try. Okay. So they, uh, they tried to do the same thing where they were having survivors go and give their, their accounts and their testimony to the INTJ, and the INTJ had certain figures in it, like uh, Robert David Steele, the former CIA agent who was a major New Age or a major pusher. The QAnon operation uh, was a major part of the International uh, Tribunal for National Natural Justice. And so was the New Age or Sasha Stone. OK, so it was a place for people to go and give their testimonies of satanic ritual abuse and elite pedophilia to kind of enter into record and it's like okay so who's watching the watchman here on this you know and so you know that would always make me uh, be, be very nervous uh there's more research about the intj too, as well too which by the way talk about rfk junior rfk junior you know with uh dell bigtree uh spoken uh, spoke to the intj for example and so you know there there uh, uh I, i yeah so there's very you're right there there were there was a group and it goes ab- above the INTJ, and I think on who you're talking about. I won't mention them here, but they were also funneling people to them too, and that's where these testimonies were going of you know satanic ritual abuse survivors and ritual abuse survivors, elite pedophilia were going to be collected by this group that effectively worked for the governments around the world, the elite. And that's sad, but that's exactly what was happening.
1: Well, and that's where we, at some point in all of this, once we moved from dealing with survivors on all levels, I mean, it was very visceral for us. This was not going to be on the next Geraldo show. This was, you know, little babies that I'd held in my arms that had been ritually abused. This Mm -hmm. was going to the graveside of a 15 and 16-year-old girl and boy who were ritually murdered because of their involvement with one of these teen groups. These were uh, funerals of kids who yeah. didn't have a clue until they killed themselves what they were involved in. That was the level, you know, the survivors that we met, that their lives would never be the same. They were total train wrecks because of what had happened to them. But when we got involved in why it happened and started to learn the facts behind Something that was called a conspiracy theory and until and, and the government finally admitted, yeah, they did this stuff about just in the last year or two. You know, we'd say Monarch, we'd say MKUltra, and they would say that's just conspiracy nonsense. Now it's documented fact. But at the time, so many of us, so many people were talking about it, so many survivors, something of that nature did happen. We didn't know what we're dealing with. But what we did know is suddenly there were a couple of experts that came into the field that claimed to be deprogrammers that we found out were anything but. And then we found out at one of our top conferences, while everybody was paying attention to these deprogrammers or claimed to be, there was somebody that came in and signed up under the conference as an insurance agent that were actually still working for the company. They were there to find out what we knew. I'm like, okay, this is just getting... This was crazy. Now, all right.
2: I'll say this on the record. I'm I i will not give it too much detail, but I've done a lot of research in the James Tower case, and I know that. And this will be one of the cases that I write about after the fire, is Lord willing, if I'm still living. There was kind of a truthful aspect to the false memory, a uh, false memory aspect, and I'll say this. There was an insurance company that knew that they can get money by mudding the waters and working directly with the United States Central Intelligence Agency, okay? And it was a law office that was dealing with this too. And they were using a therapist who knew hypnosis to plant the same memory about a convicted pedophile so that they would all tell this same memory to run a massive lawsuit to be able to get money – but to not implicate certain agencies like the church of Scientology in being involved in this elite pedophile scandal. All right. Yeah. Where this man is a convicted pedophile. All right. So they were implanting memories, but it was to hide the truth of who was involved in this case. And it's a Glendale monastery school case. Okay. They were, they, and so, you know, they there. It can happen but no one's ever talked about it happening that way you know so it does not surprise me that insurance agencies were involved sniffing around for the information that i have on that case okay where the where the insurance sure. agencies were involved lawyers were involved you know with the psychiatrist putting these false memories a you know kind of you know implanting false memories but keeping you know kind of uh, the aspects of the true involvement in this case of 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 who was involved, whether it's government agencies or the Church of Scientology, out of out of, you know, the truth coming, you know, to light about that. And and all for, you know, the main perpetrators to not be named and for there to be massive payouts that they would end up getting paid for this horrific, you know, child pornography and satanic ritual abuse and ritual abuse that was going on in Stewart, Florida. You know, and so I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. You know, and so well, know, I, of course, a... when I say false memory foundation, yes, it was definitely, you know, horrible, corrupt. But in this case, they were implanting false memories to cover it up.
1: Right. That's a technique, obviously. And yes. And the way that 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 has worked out uh, in the court cases we've gone to is uh, a lot of the people had a a mixture of what they called screen memories that were implanted to cover up the real memories. Uh, And that's easy to do with a child because a child uh, doesn't have the capability of of absorbing that kind of trauma. So they have to create a story behind it in order to survive it. And that worked very well for these people. So we got to a point where in dealing with survivors, it was not, I just know that the people that claim to be deprogramming at least the two that I knew were just reprogramming, yeah. and everybody was falling for it. And people were investing, you know, all kinds of money into promoting what they were doing. And I got close enough to expose some of it, nearly lost my life as a result. Which is fine because at some point I pulled out because I realized this is getting this is a game that they're playing. Although their games are very serious, but it's a game they're playing to make sure they've covered all the bases. And once they figure out that you're not going to play the game they do any number of things but in my case they just left me alone because I just disappeared for a few years because I saw what they were doing and part of part of what they were doing was to implant enough craziness in it that nobody was going to believe it I mean they had a therapist friend of mine that was you know surrounding her room with crystals and making her other partners go out and wash their car three times a day to get them detoxed from the death rays. And I'm like, are y'all hearing yourself? Yeah, Y'all understand this is exactly how they bury the truth is by making us all look like we're certifiable and we can't play the game. And so, yeah, but what a shock in that one conference where the guy that's with the company, he came down as an insurance agent on recommendation. Why? Because he knew a great deal about the franklin case interesting so he was strictly there to observe our goings-on and you know and 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 it's true there's certain things we you know you kind of go towards a preponderance of evidence you have to go Mm -hmm. to what you know and say some things i cannot prove some things i can't but it was stunning to me to find so many survivors Uh, painting the same or drawing the same drawing of this little mysterious man they call Dr. Green or Mr. All Business or Mr. Green Jeans and they all had these dark bushy eyebrows Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with a German accent and when I began to I actually investigated the very real possibility that one of the people that came under Operation Paperclip Was Joseph Mengele and was able to continue the experimentation on another level. I actually have a photo of all of these guys at at White Sands, which is just two hours from here, Mm -hmm. when they they came to the country. There's this one little bushy eyed guy in the background trying to hide behind somebody else. And I'm like, yep, there he is.
2: Yeah.
1: I can't prove it, but. When you have 30 survivors and they're all painting, drawing the same picture and calling them the same thing, I think, you know, that's pretty good evidence that, you know, there was a lot more to it involved and stuff
0: that they don't want people to know about.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, as we come to a close, I'd like to, because I know that you are a good friend of Russ Dizdars, and I'd like to just get to know how you met him and the work that you guys did together. Because he's amazing, too. I, I He was such a big part of my walk. I never, unfortunately, never got to meet him. I'm a little jealous that you did. You were his friends. But, man, you guys are so similar. And your passion well, to help these people is just un, unmatchable. Well, Ross was a rock star. I mean, Ross, uh, pardon
1: me, Russ was a rock star. He was at the top of it. And the funny thing is, is we didn't meet until actually officially in the last, I think, 15 years. He was doing on the East Coast exactly what we were doing in the Southwest and on the West Coast Mm -hmm. without ever having to meet each other. And so it was only when we invited him for a conference we did in St. Louis that I actually got to meet him face to face and had him and his team come in and they did a two-day conference with us. And I just loved the guy immediately because he's completely biblical, but he had that fire. He was a warrior. He wasn't afraid of anything. And he was going to go out and do something about all this, you know? And the thing that strikes me about Russ in retrospect, he was just a happy guy, no matter what they were dealing with. He was just so filled with joy. And so we met up at that conference. And after that, I was supposed to do a couple of conferences with him and couldn't make it. So I had to record it and send it for his conference. We did a couple of shows, I think by, uh, by telephone, And then it wasn't until two years ago. It had been years, probably 15 years since we'd seen each other. And they had a conference in Akron, Ohio, and he asked me to come out. And I was able to go out. And, uh, you know, he just gave me carte blanche to say whatever I wanted to say at the conference. And I just remember uh, just going up and hugging his neck. And, you know, just like we were brothers for a lifetime. And I've got one picture that shows he and I talking. And it's it's a treasure because... We had no idea we were going to lose Russ shortly after that, as we have lost several of our friends just recently that are doing very significant work in these areas. Everybody from not necessarily just ritual abuse, but exposing, you know, the lies that are out there, you know, uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, uh, uh, Joe Taylor, the people that we were, do we dearly loved. And, And then losing Russ and Shelley was just a, it was a real blow and uh, I'm glad you asked about it because uh, I will always carry part of his armament when I go to battle knowing that I was not alone because he was out on the same battlefield.
0: Yeah, and that gives me the shivers.
2: And there's still a battle to be raged out there, um, especially with every, you know everything that's going on because as more of the you know the the truth of satanic ritual abuse and elite pedophilia will be you know revealed uh, through the Great Awakening. Sadly, it's a controlled narrative. It's a contrived narrative, uh, and it's going to be used by many people to um, not you know preach Jesus Christ like you do, Doctor Reed. It's going to be to push kind of new age Theosophical uh type beliefs and mindset and you know and, and and someone who has spent you know I'm not as researched as you I mean I've only been researching for a decade or so um you know um and, and but you know to see now that it is more with Epstein and and and, and it's it's more you know people recognize it now they they they, they they've heard of it now. They're not so quick to ridicule it, but it does seem like it's setting up for um kind of like an unveiling of this to the world, which the theosophist, the original conspiracy theorist Alice Bailey, you know, this is called the externalization of the hierarchy. Um, and in doing so, it seems like it's going to be to set up uh, kind of we are, you know, entering into the tribulation. It's going to be used to set up um, the the best the beast system the antichrist the old world order. I believe is kind of like the totalitarian world order that we see now, uh, and that's going to be crushed. It's going to be exposed, right from dark to light. But within God, there is no darkness; there is only light. See, dark and light's like masonic. It's it's like the masonic uh, black and white checkerboard. Uh, and so, you know, I know for you, it has to be interesting. Of someone who's been, you know, who's dedicated their life uh, of exposing elite pedophilia and, and 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 you know um ritual satanic abuse and working with survivors and the trauma that you've had yourself in your own personal life, you know, it's now becoming, you know, to the forefront where people are, you know, acknowledging it now. It looks like more than they acknowledged in in the past, per se, of being real. The problem is, unlike the eighties and the nineties, where it was Christians that were recognizing it, now, now it's everybody. But they're removing the satanic, you know, part of it. They're removing the Christian, you know, the Christian worldview out of it. And now it's being exposed to the masses, but it's being controlled in that it doesn't lead them. Sadly, to Jesus Christ and to the truth of Jesus Christ, because they go down the quote unquote rabbit hole, they get initiated. And I know that has to be in some part. And the reason why maybe God's bringing you back onto the battlefield is to discuss this, you know, from a biblical worldview perspective, you know, you being born again yourself, because there's not a lot of us out there and it's dwindling and it's dwindling fast.
0: Yes. and
2: soon it's going to be you know exposed to the world that yes the elite are evil and of course they are but here comes the antichrist and the antichrist is going to save us from this elite evil world you know and that's in my opinion that looks like what's being set up right now possibly so i
1: think you're you're probably very correct about that and one of the things that has been revelatory to me And I think so crucial. And I appreciate what you said about that because the gospel of Jesus Christ for me is the most important thing in the world. I would rather be giving my testimony before an audience of young people than be crowned, you know, the most important person on the face of the world because I know who Jesus is and I know what he did. And I know it is not a contest. I know that I know who Jesus is and these people don't scare me because I know who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. They don't. Uh, But at some point I realized a lot of the attention that's coming to the human trafficking thing, and it's important, it's all important, but they have an agenda. <clears throat> and part of that agenda is, um, they came to understand it just to understand the the pure demonic evil that is Satan that I realize it's not so much at this point about who's doing the trafficking. We know they're there, where well, I'm not surprised by anybody that comes out in Hollywood as a pedophile. At all, mm-hmm. but it's not. We need to not be so much focused on who's doing the trafficking, but who they are trafficking. Because the horrible reality of this is, is that the victims and the children. I mean, yeah. I'm not. The whole border thing here, the border being open, has done so much damage to the human trafficking groups that are trying to save these kids. Because now nobody's keeping track of them they're coming across the border with complete impunity and yeah. being they're already got safe houses for them. this is having the borders open has been the best thing that's ever happened for pedophiles satanists and human traffickers in the mm-hmm. last hundred years but the point is is that the children particularly and the young people they're just cattle to be slaughtered and these people that come out as victims they're tagged. If they yeah. dare to come out, they're tagged like so much cattle. That's how little these people care. The true Luciferian satanic monsters that do this stuff, they refer to their own children as their animals, which tells me everything I need to know about them. So that makes me want to double down and say, okay, arrest all these people. Everybody knew Epstein was going to off himself. You know, I called that a year before it happened. Mm-hmm. That's the given. Has it changed anything? No, because the children are still cattle to be devoured by evil people. And so that motivates my heart, first of all, to tell Christians you need to pray and do everything you can. If you can rescue these children, if you see a child being trafficked, don't just sit there. Do something about it. And the other thing is I want to reach the kids out there. There may be kids listening to your program that they're They're living on the streets. They've been prostituting themselves since they were eight years old because that's what they were raised to do. They were just cattle that were used by these groups and discarded. I want them to hear the message. Yeah, amen. There's hope for them that God has not forgotten amen. them. That's gotta be the message. Yes,
2: because that's what ultimately changes. A person's life and ultimately you know what what is most important is the preaching of the gospel that jesus christ command us through the great commission and it's the same for people for example that are you know it's like all these court battles and all uh, of of the elite crimes getting exposed to politics and whatever you know it's like when the supreme court uh you know made it difficult more difficult for you know abortions uh to occur y- yes i i'm glad that happened don't get me wrong here okay but without the preaching of the gospel and people getting saved and stuff like that like it, it, what 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 when is it you know without without you know hearts being changed and people deciding not to have abortions and not to have premarital sex you know like like w- w- without you know the the gospel and the change of heart that comes with this against a wicked nation you know you know yeah it, it 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 may praise god it may have saved and changed the minds of some people to have abortions but the grand totality what what did it do without that you know heart change without a person becoming born again you know they are still truly lost you know they they are you know they are still you know uh, you know lost lost to death you know they're still damned to hell you know and so you know that's why it's it's important and that's why I'm appreciative of your work, Dr. Reed, is because with the exposure of all this, with, you know, the, the, like, for example, the Mormon group uh, Operation Underground Railroad, uh, that's suppo- supposedly allegedly uh, saving uh, kids from human trafficking, but the partner with, you know, CMP Glenn Beck and I don't know how true technically that is, but is the gospel being shared to them, or you know, or or you know, are are these survivors of human traffic trafficking, you know, are are they showing Christian love, are they showing the love, you know, of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, and so that's why I'm, you know, I I'm thankful that Lord saved a wretch like me, uh, you know, that someone who has knowledge, you know, has it been in you know, has it been out there, you know, on the battlefront as long as you have, sir. But to be able to expose these things and preach the gospel at the same time to, you know, to shine light, you know, on the the deeds of darkness. Uh, you know, as we're called to do, you know, Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5 11, you know, having a biblical worldview and both exposing the world order, exposing the elite, exposing the works of darkness, exposing Satan, but also preaching the gospel, which is for, you know, for, you know, you know, and helping people as well, too, as James said, we have to, you know, if if you meet a homeless person, feed them first, take care of the physical needs first, then preach the gospel to them, you know, but, you know, but that, this is as the quote unquote great awakening happens okay it's going to be less and less of that happening sadly and it's going to be more of exposing the darkness to set up for the antichrist because people will be claiming for peace and safety but less of the actual gospel being preached which is one of the most important things because you know you know from you know hearing the word of god comes faith you know comes believing you know and so you know, we, we have to be doing these things. We have to be doing both. We can't just be exposing the darkness of the world because we're just doing that and we're not preaching the gospel, then we're no better than the New Agers and the Theosophists that
0: do yeah, it. Yeah, they, they leave people hopeless.
2: Yes, very much so.
0: Well,
1: exactly. And if we, if, if what, what we're coming down to, which I suspect we are, uh, is is if, if this is going to be the prophets of Baal spiritually against the, the uh, you know, on Mount Car- Carmel against the Elijahs of God. For goodness sake, let's not stand up and say, here's a sandwich that'll help. Yeah. You know, yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Give them a sandwich because if they die, they're not going to hear the gospel. But don't just give them a sandwich. They'll probably one of the most dangerous expressions that's been used and twisted is preach the gospel as often as possible. And if necessary, use words. It's like, uh, hello. That's right. like saying, use the telephone as often as you can. And if necessary, punch the buttons. Yes. Well, yeah, it's both and, it's not either or, but the gospel message, we're bringing people back from the brink of eternal death. And the only hope, I'm telling you, the only hope for so many of these kids who are, you know, and now they're bringing it down to a level where within the next five years, pedophilia is going to be legalized, I think, which I've been crying, it's it's going to happen for like 15 years, and didn't know how it was going to happen, but now I see it happening. And 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 these kids that don't even know that their lives have been completely destroyed because they've been sexualized before the age of eight.
2: Yeah.
1: And and only Jesus can heal that kind of cataclysmic spiritual holocaust. Amen. And that's the people we need to reach. We're not equipped for that. The church, you know, my cry to them is, you know, I I I, I know we can push people over the edge with some of this stuff, but. For crying out loud, spend enough time to get out from under your bubble and and see what is happening out there and that there are people that have no hope unless not only they find Jesus, but they find a church that's going to embrace them, even though their lives are a complete devastation. How are they going to find healing unless we reach
0: out to them?
2: Very much so, Dr. Reed.
0: Thank you for coming on, man. It it was honestly such a blessing and Thank man, you. the things that the things that you have done for these children and the work that you do, there's hardly anybody out there like you guys. And when I say you guys, I mean, you and for Russ, sure. I know Russ has passed, but man, you, what you're doing is so important. And I hope that there's a way to rise up some sort of younger generation to make them aware, aware to, to, to fill the shoes that need to be filled one day you
1: know, Tom Dunn and his crew are the next up. And I'm glad that they took everything that Russ gave them and they're going to, they're going out onto the battlefield. So pray for Tom and his crew too, because they're the next generation. They're the next generation of warriors. I told Tom, I said, I may not be able to be on the front lines. I'd probably be taken off because I'm going to get myself killed out there. But if you're going on the front lines, you have my sword and my shield because you're the next generation. So I appreciate those kind words and I'm just encouraged to know that there's people that are carrying on Russ's legacy and that they're determined to do everything they can to stop this mess. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'm so gratified to be able to share this time with you guys.
0: Is there any other is there any resources or that you're involved with or that you would like to share with the audience that they can look at your material or any of that stuff? Where can they
2: find you, Dr. Reed? And also Uh, anybody else that you recommend, sir?
1: Yeah, uh my books are all out there on Amazon somewhere. Gregory Reed uh is where you're gonna find them on Amazon. I do a podcast called Extreme Times, Truth in the Shadowlands. And um, uh, I very much recommend uh Tom Dunn Through the Black. I think that's a great resource because they've got their finger on the pulse of who's doing things right now in this area. And uh you know, that's that's about all the resources we have at this point. But, uh, you know, tune back in later in a couple of months. Maybe we'll have a whole lot more. That's my hope.
0: Amen. Amen to that. Man, yes. I, I hope that a lot of people get the meat out of this of what uh, the extent of what is happening in the world right in front of our eyes. You know, so, so many people are just so distracted and worrying about this and that, and they have no idea what the heck is actually happening in front of them. And you know that you the fact that you guys are bringing this to light and have been for decades, you know it, it it's amazing. And I hope that young people like me are able to find the material, like materials like you and Tom Dunn, and and that spreads like wildfire because we need it. Especially like John said, when the times to come, you know the gospel is going to be taken out of it more and more. You know it's going to be a little like a literal remnant left. Yeah, and and I hope that they fight until the end, man. I really do.
1: And as long as God keeps me on this earth, which I hope is many more years, my hope is that when I die, an angel's going to be grabbing my sword and saying, "Okay, you can stop now. It's over. But as long as God has me down here battling, just know that I'm here to serve you guys, too. I'm here to serve your hearts and your generation and uh, anything that I could ever do to help serve you in the battle that God's called you to. uh, Please don't hesitate
0: to call on me.
2: Thank you, Dr. Amen. Reed, for all that you do. Amen, brother. Um, all right, that's it for Buy Their Fruits. Anything you want to add, Jeremy?
0: No, man, I'm just uh, – I- I'm sitting here kind of just soaking this all in, man. This has been has been awesome.
2: Yes, very much so. All right, God bless everybody. Uh, take care. Definitely look into Dr. Reed's work. Um, and God bless each and every one of you, and we'll see you uh, soon. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Buy Their Fruits. May the Lord bless the giver, the gift, and the receiver.